It is the time of the year where we look at our priorities, goals, habits, and mindset. Let's take a deep dive into these topics as we close out 2023. Welcome to Casa de Confidence, a podcast for you. You'll hear some incredible women and some awesome cool dudes going confidently in the direction of their dreams and living in the purpose of their heart. You're our host, Julie DeLuca Collins, and you are our sidekick, hashtag handsome hot husband, that again, and the producer of the show, that I am. I am an author, speaker, coach, dreamer, and most of all, we help people go in the direction of their dreams and support them on their purpose. So pull up a chair, grab a drink, and make yourself at home because our casa is your casa. Welcome back to Casa de Confidence. I'm Dan. And the star of the show, me. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know why I said that. The star of the show. I'm feeling a little narcissistic. I am coming off a big high Daniel Collins. Yes, you had a great weekend of sisterhood. Sisterhood, bonding, singing, but most of all, Preparing for world domination in 2024. <laughs> God, I'm, I'm over the top today. Maybe Pinky I'm overtired. The brain. Pinky in the brain. Um, listen. One's I, a genius. The other's insane. Which were you? I'm both. Geniusly <laughs> insane. Um, thank you so much for listening to the show and for, you know, being open to listening to us in this little silly um, yeah we can moment. be silly i mean half of you don't even know who pinky in the brain is <gasps> oh my god listen we you, you gotta serve, be of a certain we age serve don't pe- call people of a certain age first of all people who are listening to us are intelligent individuals who know what Animaniacs are. <laughs> oh, now I'm going to have to sing the song in my head. Yeah, oh, the Animaniac song is okay. now um, on roll in my brain, and I'm not going to let it out of my mouth. Okay. By the way. Yeah. We were a little old you. to be watching Animaniacs at the time, I think. Yeah, we were in our 20s. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Daniel. Yes. Thank you for your support during the CEO weekend here in Connecticut. We had, okay. I decided to do an in-person CEO retreat mm-hmm. because one of my clients, Pearl Chiarenza, said, I don't want to do it online. I'm coming to your house. And I said, <laughs> okay. And somebody else said, all right, well, I want to come too. I said, okay. Then when the third person said, I want to come too, I said, well, you all can't stay at my house. You need to arrange <laughs> where you're staying. And I'm not going to set it up for you because I am working on my TEDx. That's right. So I they I remember when that happened. Yes. I mean, it, it was all happening organically in the background. Yeah. And then I decided, okay, well, I'm going to open it up as an in-person offer. Um, but they will have to kind of make the arrangements of where to stay. And it worked out that we all stayed in um, Pearl, found a wonderful B&B, Airbnb in Lebanon, Connecticut, which I had never heard of until we figured out where Lebanon, Connecticut is. So it is. A countryside, not too far from us, about 25 miles from our house. I, of course, knew where Lebanon, Connecticut is. And it's pronounced Lebanon. Oh, well, whatever. Spelled like Lebanon. No, you said it pretty much correctly. But here, the town of Lebanon. 
is the way they say it. Okay, well, I'm not from Connecticut, so I can't I say it differently. I wasn't correcting you. I, I was just, you I was just letting the listeners know mm-hmm. that's, that's how you say it so, here. By the time it was all said and done, we had over 10 CEO sisters. And boy, did we, we started on Thursday night with several of them arriving. Mm-hmm. And we checked into the house. It was a phenomenal, phenomenal time. I went to Boston to pick up one of these CEO sisters. And we had a fun time. I got to be in the car with one of my newest clients. And we just chatted and talked about her dreams and her goals and aspirations for her new business. Kind of like a little mini road trip. A kind of little mini road trip and mini coaching session included all a la carte for her. And then we came back to the house. And on Friday, the CEO sisters and I went to Mystic, Connecticut, my fave. And boy, did we have a charming time exploring a New England charming place. A charming New England seaport. That's right. We, they, that we, they kept well, saying. Well, it's actually a, not a seaport. It's a river port. <laughs> they right? kept kind saying of. how much they enjoyed this whole New and England seaport. Hallmark Christmas vibe. It did. Did you guys go to the bakery, the one that's we did. all the rage? That's where I got you the donut from, Daniel. No, that was from a different place. Oh, that is from the different Okay. But we did go to Sift. Yes. And we had a ball. We walked around, had a good time, had a wonderful lunch, and then we headed back to the house. Did to you go prepare. to the mach- did you go to the machine room? The engine room, you mean? Oh, the engine room? The machine Did room. you go to the engine room? Yeah, that's where we had lunch. Cool. And then um, after that- If you're ever that, a mystic, you got to go to the engine room. It's a mm-hmm. cool restaurant, bar. Um, One of my faves. Nice. So then after that, we went back to the house and we prepared for an early dinner. We, um, One of my other clients made us a wonderful Mediterranean lasagna. A mm. Shout out to Amanda Blakesley, friend of the show. She's been in the one of the episodes. Whoop, whoop. She is not only a talented gym business personal trainer owner, but she is also a talented cook. And since she couldn't make the retreats, she said she wanted to contribute by cooking for the women and made us a delicious dinner so we can go to bed early. And then in the morning, begin our CEO time. And boy, did we really have some spirited discussions, but we also really walk through our vision And we recapped what happened in 2023. And if you are in your business or in your life looking at, okay, end of the year, Christmas, hustle, bustle, take the time to number one, recap what happened. What was on your calendar? Audit your calendar. Remember, sometimes we lose sight of the important things that came about. Maybe we had some unexpected things happen. So we need to evaluate how we reacted and how we pivoted, perhaps. And third of all, you want to go ahead and make sure that you know, if you're running a business, what worked and what didn't. Hmm. What is the place? What is the thing that generated the most revenue, the most clients? What were the partnerships that were successful? And what would you like to do going forward? Because as you cast your vision for a new year, it is incredibly important to not only cast a vision that is cohesive with your values, but you cast a vision that is 
really truly where you want to go. And that you're not casting a vision of what you think you should be doing. Because a lot of people do that, Dan. Don't you, have you seen that a lot? That people are like, oh, maybe I need to make a goal for writing a course. Because everybody's writing a course. But maybe that's not really what is in their heart. Maybe that's not something that they feel that they're good at. So I want to encourage you to cast a vision that makes sense. And some of the questions um, that I asked my sister CEOs is, what brought you the most joy in 2023? What do you never want to do again? What did you learn in 2023? Who supported you in 2023? What new customers did you get to work with? What great feedback did you get in 2023? How do you feel about how you spent your time? How would you like to spend your time differently in 2024? What obstacles did you stumble into in 2023 that have made you stronger? What didn't you do in 2023 that you wanted? What wild dream have you been ignoring that you want to step closer to? What idea keeps you coming to mind as you consider what is going to be in your plan for 2024? And then I asked them all to make a note of the things that they wanted to keep, the things that they love, and the things that they wanted to let go. Do you know what you want to keep, love, and let go from in the coming year, Dan? What do I want to keep? You're going to keep me. You're going to love me. And I'm going to let go of... um, I have no idea. What do you mean? I I don't know. What should I let go of? You tell me, dear. How about some of those shirts <laughs> that need to be donated? Because they've. You seen know what I'm going to let go of? What? Some of the shoes that I never wear anymore. Mm. Hallelujah! Frickin' Luya! Oh my God! That you made my day. Thank you, honey. Yeah, I think you should do the same. Oh my God. <laughs> That's, I have nice shoes. I I've wear got them. like 10 pairs of shoes. You do not have 10 pairs of shoes. I will bet you How many money. do you think I have? I will say closer to 22. That's not true. Oh my God. It's not true. We're going to count them and we're going to come it's back and like tell 10 you. 10 pairs. There's, there's if just, you want to know how many pairs shoes. of shoes Dan has, the, send me a message on Instagram and we'll post the there, number. There are shoes that are sitting there that I, that are frankly worn out that i just haven't gotten rid of yeah it's time yeah but you, you know if you got to do yard work or something they come in handy but anyway i'm sorry you let's not do- get into accounting <laughs> he doesn't want to talk about yard work <laughs> so anyway, anyway the you other know thing, julie hold on the other thing that we did is we talked about what area of business they have the priority level of that area of business I asked them to grade themselves and also to create an action step for improving or continuing to move forward in that area of business. Hmm. That so, sounds, those are, you know, credible questions, challenges to put mm-hmm. out to people. That's, that sounds, that and, sounds great. And the you other, know, yeah, go ahead. Uh, go. Just, I hope everyone got something out of it. I know they got something out of it. Each person told me they did. I had a one-to-one meeting with them. (laughs) What did you get out of it? I got out of it that we crave connection and that sometimes Hmm. being in community normalizes for us the same fears that we all feel. 
And, you know, for this reason, I wanted to bring this conversation with this week's guest. She is the gratitude psychologist, Dr. Peggy Long. I enjoyed my conversation with Peggy because she talks about gratitude. And as we are ending the year, it is very important to know that gratitude is that thing that can help you become more happy, fulfilled, and can transform your life in an ongoing basis. Because our brain is always going to say, oh, this is terrible. Oh, woe is me. But if we begin to incorporate gratitude into our life, we can prioritize, plan, and practice prosper, which is her framework um, that helps you understand how powerful human beings are when they take action. And again, happiness just doesn't happen. Like she said, happiness is much more than a choice. And that's the message that uh, Dr. Peggy has. She has an incredibly compelling story about how gratitude helped her come out of grief. And we, we really mesh together. And I, I love their, the time that we spent together. It, It really was amazing. What's Dr. Peggy's name? Full name? Dr. Peggy DeLong. I figure people should know her full name. (laughs) And they will after this interview if they don't already know her. Absolutely. Because she's amazing. And, you know, Dr. Peggy actually has a special gift for all of us. And I'm so excited that she is doing this for listeners of the podcast. And she is offering the Grateful Day which is a five-day gratitude challenge, and it's free to sign up. We're going to have the information in the show notes, and it's going to be a really great way for you to reconnect because gratitude changes um, changes the way that you look at life. And that was one of the things that all of the entrepreneurs and CEO sisters that came really started to see that they are grateful for where they are in their business and life. And I am incredibly grateful for this partnership and how we are able to go alongside of each other to build a business and life we love. So stay tuned for this incredible conversation. And my friends, thank you for being a part of the show. Don't forget to share and leave us a review. Welcome back again, friends. I am excited to have you listen to our show I have another incredible guest for us. Dr. Peggy Long is a psychologist known as the gratitude psychologist. She teaches people how to harness the power of gratitude and joy to live their best lives, especially through difficult times. She does this through psychotherapy, online courses, speaking engagement, books, and bracelets. Peggy is the author of One, Can You See Clearly Now? a memoir about love, grief, and gratitude, two, a gratitude journal, a 365-day gratitude journal, and number three, feeling good, 35 proven ways to happiness even during tough times. She is also the owner of Love in a Bracelet, where she designs bracelets for coping with grief and loss, mental health, and inspiration. She hosts women's hiking events for spiritual growth and personal development. When she's not focused on her business, 
You'll find Peggy in the mountains, downhill or telemark skiing, kayaking, hiking or mountain biking. How fun. Peggy, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, Julie. Pleasure to be here. I am just thrilled. I think that, you know, gratitude and we just uh, finished Thanksgiving here. Um, but gratitude is the secret weapon to happiness. And many people are not tapping into gratitude. Tell me a little bit of why you think that is. Sure. Well, there are many um, reasons I believe that people don't tap into it. And one is that it is so simple. Sometimes we discount how powerful really simple things can be and what a complete difference and transformation it can make in our lives. Uh, so a lot of what I do is provide the science behind it. I, I no longer have the mission to convince people, but rather lead people toward mm. the research and then decide for themselves. And I think that once people know the research and the brain science behind the power of gratitude and even giving it a try one time that they become convinced themselves that it can help with their happiness as well. Yeah. You know, I, I think that for me, um, I I want to share a, a quick story, and I think that you'd identify with this. When my dad passed away in 2014, I was very close to him, and I happened to be with him while he was in hospice. Um, it really was the hardest thing I've ever done, and he died a couple days before Christmas. I have to tell you that gratitude is one of the things that helped me um, really be able to navigate grief. And again, no one gives you a, a how-to um, thing uh, to navigate grief. But I started to, every morning, I would write in a little piece of paper something that I was grateful for, for my dad, for life, for anything. And I started to fill this, um, it's like a little box with just gratitude notes. And I did that for almost a year. So I know that that was really part of finding the good, even in that moment in which I felt lost. And, you know, certainly I'm a daddy's girl. So that was one of the challenging times. Tell me a little bit more about uh, for the listeners who may not see the correlation, why that helped me navigate grief. Sure, it, because it helps to change our focus when it, you know, it's so easy when we're feeling down to continue to have uh, negative thoughts related to how we're feeling. And then that continues the spiral of feeling uh, awful. So I always like to say that our feelings are valid and it's important to feel, including your grief and, and deep sadness, but we don't want to get stuck there. And gratitude is one way to move out of that, to move through it and feel better. And like you, I discovered the power of gratitude during grief. You know, I always let people know I was an ungrateful teen. I was an ungrateful young adult. It took tragedy in my life to discover the power of gratitude. Mm. And that was through a simple cup of hazelnut coffee when I was 26 years old and my fiance was diagnosed with cancer. And the doctor said that there was nothing left that they could do for him and that he was going to die. And it was in those last days of his life when I sat by his side a day and night at the hospital 
when I discovered the power of gratitude, when everything was so incredibly unpredictable. I didn't know if he could open his eyes and look at me that day. I didn't Mm. know if he could speak my name that day. I didn't know if he was going to die that day. Every day was so nauseatingly unpredictable. But the one thing that was predictable that brought me comfort that uh, was that I could get myself a, a cup of hazelnut coffee. When all of the guests would uh, visitors would leave at 8 p.m. and I was allowed to stay, I would sip that hazelnut coffee and wrap my hands around the styrofoam cup. The the smell, you know, hazelnut coffee has a very strong uh, scent. Yes. So the, the aroma permeated his hospital room. It's made it seem less sterile. The warmth of the cup brought me comfort. Now, my 26-year-old self had no idea that what I was doing was practicing gratitude. Mm. Only in hindsight did it all make sense to me. I couldn't understand why that cup meant so much to me. And it was because I was grateful for something of simple pleasure when every when my whole world was falling apart. And then after my fiance died, my father suddenly died six weeks later from a sudden heart attack. And once again, it was gratitude that got me through. So I love to share with people, don't save gratitude for your good days. Gratitude is most powerful on your worst days. And yeah. it helps us to move through grief by not getting stuck in that emotional pain. We need a reprieve. We need a way to feel better. And in all of my 30 years in mental health, I have never come across anything that is as powerful and transforming as as gratitude. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing, you know, your story. The first time that you and I talked about it, I identified so much with that because I think that in the middle of tragedy, in the middle of the unknown, right, of a loss. You you need something that really grounds you. And and I love, uh, by the way, um, in your honor, because I knew you and I were speaking today, I am drinking hazelnut coffee. I don't usually put cream in my coffee, but I did today because I I wanted to, you know, feel that gratitude before you and I kind of uh, jumped on our call. Um, it is really unique for us to kind of um, shift our thinking and look at the good and look. And and I love that you weren't grateful for all the time, you know, that you had, or you were grateful for something very simple. And that created that momentum. Um, it, it, it really shifts your brain. Um, what are the challenges? And, and when you share this practice with individuals going through that gratitude or going through tragedy, loss, um, how do you help them when maybe our brain is saying that's not going to help? Because I know that that's a normal reaction. Absolutely. So so often when you're in the midst of deep sorrow, it can be hard to be grateful for anything and and um and, and to feel resentful. So mm-hmm. when when the silver lining or lesson is not visible and you can't find it, I encourage people to look for the positive value. So what I mean by that is you wouldn't be experiencing grief if you didn't have the positive value of love Mm. and then celebrate that love. And then in some way during the day, be loving. 
Another wow. example is if you're be feeling betrayed by a friend, you <laughs> wouldn't feel betrayed if you didn't have the positive value of trust. So then celebrating that you value trust and then one way during the day, be trustworthy. So we can't control what comes our way in life circumstances, but we can control how we show up in the world. And when you look for the positive value, and it's always there because the pain wouldn't exist without the positive value. So it mm -hmm. is there. It takes yeah. some uncovering. And once you uncover it, then be that values that day can be re really helpful for feeling better. Yeah, I, I absolutely. And I, and, and I love how you explain this. I haven't heard it explained this way. And I think that it's it's definitely something that for me um, in, in throughout my life, I see that this has been something that can help me be resilient. Why Why do you think people struggle with being resilient at times when it comes to dealing with difficulties and, and maybe going through a dark time in their lives? Um, I think a lot of it has to do with energy level, that when we're <laughs> not, when things aren't going well, our energy level is down and we forget how resilient we are. So it's helpful to reflect upon your past at a time when you felt strong, when you got through a difficult time, because even though it might not feel like it, you are that same person. And those qualities that got you through a difficult time in, in the past still exist within you and, and reminding yourself that it still exists. And I, I also think that it's helpful to be proactive and plan for future positive mental health. Mm -hmm. One of the you know ideas that I teach is what I call the four P's, prioritize, plan, practice, and prosper. So Ooh, even, love that. Even, even when life is going well, um, we don't think about the future problems coming our way. But mm -hmm. everything that you do today sets yourself up for positive mental health and resilience in the future. And the good news is that so much of what you can do feels good today and helps you in the future. And I'm talking about simple activities um, like, uh, you know, listening to music and um, going for a walk, spending time in nature, making sure that you have time for people that matter to you, cultivating and creating the time in your life for things that bring you joy. All of these things feel good while we're doing them, mm -hmm. and they truly do help us to be more resilient in the future. Oh, so good. You know, proactivity is always something that I like to talk about, whether it be in your personal life or in business. I um, I was telling someone yesterday that I like to give the gift of a cup of coffee to my future self every time in the evening I make my I make the coffee and set it so that it just brews on its own but really I know that that's going to make my morning easier it's going to put me like oh my coffee is done and it begins to create a little bit of that feel good um, stuff that we all need in our lives and you know for for many people um, I've struggled with mental health um, and definitely it's something that I I know that I am not alone. Many people are struggling with um, depression, anxiety. And as, as someone who has been in this field and helping individuals through navigating their feelings and, and some of the things that they're going through, um, it may seem like I don't have the energy. I don't know if I could do that. Or we fall, and of course, as a tiny habits coach, we fall back into the automation of maybe not doing the walk, not 
um, refilling our cup or doing that proactive action? What is one simple, tiny step that we can begin to do to kind of help ourselves and manage some of the symptoms? I would say to plan for it. So if you know an activity will help you to feel better, set yourself up to make it happen. So if 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 it's exercise, then just like you said, you get that coffee ready, then that would be putting out your running snooze or, or shoes or walking shoes, okay. putting the outfit on the, uh, the edge of your bed the night before mm. so that you see it visually and it's all ready. So setting yourself up for success to make it happen ahead of time. You're much more likely to do that. And when we develop habits, um, it just becomes easier to rely upon habit than motivation. Mm-hmm. And and it's and it doesn't take much, it doesn't take a huge amount of time to develop a habit, but that's when it becomes even more powerful when we develop these into habits. And I'll use gratitude as an example. Like I don't think about being grateful. It's become a way of life. It started with a habit. It started with intention first, mm-hmm. then habit, and then practicing that habit, and then becomes an attitude and then a way of life. But it starts with a, with intention and then habits. And then over the course of time, when we do them on a regular basis, it becomes a way of life. Yeah. So people who walk and spend time in, in nature regularly don't even think about it. Uh, it's become a way of life. Yeah, absolutely. I think that, you know, for me, um, those little times in which I go around the block, sometimes it's uh, it, our brain will say, oh, that's not a lot, but it is. It is just a little tiny way that you're getting yourself out. And by the way, I'm not 100% consistent, but the more that I show up and give myself praise for showing up, that celebration part is the part that really helps your brain begin to create those new neural pathways in the habit creation. Yes. And I love sharing the research about how the you know simplest of habits make a difference because yeah. so often we discount them. We think it doesn't mm-hmm. matter, including the length of time. And the research yeah. shows that it, you don't have to walk for an hour to receive the benefits. A 15-minute brisk walk has tremendous benefits for mental health. Yeah. And re- uh, sending a text to somebody, we we discount that. Oh, the, that person, I haven't talked to them in so long. It's not going to matter to them. It does matter. Send mm-hmm. the text. Reach out to somebody. Um, all of it matters. All human connection matters. But so often we discount the power that our words have on another person. So we don't do it and we don't share. Um, and I also like to say that there's no such thing as small talk. It, so even communicating and having connection with a complete stranger matters matters. So uh, I love sharing the research behind these things that our brain tells us doesn't matter and won't have an impact on mental health because it (laughs) truly does. So do it anyway. Do it anyway. So good. Um, I, I, you know, I think that this is one of the reasons why I connected so much with your message and you really resonated because I know that as a tiny habits coach, I, I talk about the tiny little steps do add up. They're like that seed that ends up growing into a beautiful plant. And, and you will have to say to your brain, I hear you. I, I know what you're saying, but I'm going to do it anyway. <laughs> yes. Yes. And, oh. and one common experience is when people have a memory or a thought about somebody from their past, and they might have a, a, a very short inclination to reach out to them, but then the brain kicks in and says, oh, you know, no, too much time has passed. They don't want to hear from me. Mm-hmm. And, and the research shows that actually it, it does matter. And in yeah. fact, 
when you look at in one example is to look through your text messages and scroll down way to the bottom to people that you haven't texted in a long time because the surprise factor adds uh, an added bonus when somebody hears from you and there's a level of surprise yeah. then it tends to boost mood even more so mm. um don't pay attention to your brain when it says I it love doesn't it. matter <laughs> it truly does i love it uh you know it's funny you mentioned the text message i have a uh, Two, uh, fr two friends from high school. We've known each other for a long time. Today's their anniversary. And this morning I texted them and I have, I, I hear from them and we go back and forth. Um, but at first my brain said, oh, you know, I don't know. Do they really care? I'm like, no, I text them every year for their anniversary. And even though I haven't heard from them, but it is a part of the process. We have to give ourselves the ability to step out and to help others. So, um, I want to talk a little bit about your bracelets. I wear bracelets all the time. Tell me more about that. How did you come up with this concept of the bracelets? What are they? Where can people get them? Because I, I I saw them on your website and I'm excited uh, to talk more about them. Sure. A, a few things in my life has, has led to that. The first was after my fiance died and I returned to work, somebody had given me an angel bracelet. And mm -hmm. it was so nice to have something that I could look down on my wrist, be reminded of him and the love and support of the person who gave it to me. I had I was given so many different gifts and they were all wonderful, but they were left at home. This was something that I could wear and mm -hmm. have on me all the time. And then when I had uh, three children, I attended a jewelry making um, lesson for Ooh. adults. And I Fun. quickly I quickly became addicted to the therapeutic uh, power of beating that that repetitive motion that we it can almost become a meditative state. And I made way too many, you know, so many bracelets, I could not wear them all. So I thought about selling them. And then I combined mental health with bracelets. And then I became uh, that is what developed my bracelet company love in a bracelet. So I have I have a collection for grief and loss, another specific collection for mental health, another one for inspiration. So I uh, I just thought about the various ways that people want to give gifts. And it's a, just a really nice way to give something that's long lasting that people can wear and feel the love from the recipient as they go about their day. Oh, so good. So good. I love that. You know, I, I again, I have um, a special affinity for bracelets. I love wearing them, but I love that certain bracelets, when I buy them, they really uh, typically remind me of an, a time in my life or something or someone. And I, I love how you've also incorporated that not only as a therapeutic uh, thing for you, but also to help others and, and to give another way in which we can um, go through the process of healing and, and helping our heart feel better and really ground to something that is, is tangible, like a bracelet that you wear. I, I noticed as well, you know, that you have several courses. Um, is that something that uh, people can leverage, you know, in, in, in partnering, working with you? I, I love to learn more about your courses. Tell me more about them. Um, what inspire you to, to create them? 
Sure. Uh, well, my two signature courses are eight-week online courses. One is a course in gratitude, where I get really into, uh, you know, diving deep into the power of gratitude, the research behind it, and eight weeks of lessons and videos and downloadable material for people that really want to take a deep dive and transform their lives with the power of gratitude and different exercises, so it never gets boring, and there will always be something to do. And they're all uh, research and backed. Methods. Mm -hmm. um, I also have a an eight week online law of attraction course, also just a goal achieving course for people who are looking to make changes in their personal and professional lives. So th those are the two long longer one eight weeks that I've got, and I also have a shorter thirty day gratitude transformation for somebody who might not be so interested in the research but just wants some methods for improving their lives through the power of gratitude, and that's thirty days. And I also have some free uh, resources for people on my, I have a coping with loss. That means a lot to me to be able to mm -hmm. uh, provide people with support through grief. If they either don't want to see a counselor or can't afford it, mm -hmm. this, this free course provides methods of moving through grief. And I have another one specifically for widows because I'm a widow myself. It was really mm -hmm. important to me that I support widows. And I have a five-week program called HEAL, and it specifically guides widows through the process of grief. Yeah. Th you know, thank you for sharing that. I think that having the right resources, a lot of times when we're in the midst of uh, painful situations. We don't really know where to turn. And it's so great to be able to keep this information because if it's not for you, it's for somebody else, which leads me to my next question. Uh, for many of us, when we are, it's not us going through the grief and the pain um, and loss, it is someone around us. We, we're not going to avoid that. Um, and nobody really gives you a manual for how to support friends, family that are going through grief. I know that there's different ways that we support children, but um, let's talk a little bit more about our friends, people around us, our colleagues. Maybe they encounter um, a tragedy. I know um, my one of my clients, she lost her son, tragically, uh, 25. And, you know, it's been something that she's been navigating and We've been supporting her through the process, but I question, am I there for her as much as I need to or can be or what should I be doing? So can you can you give us some tips? Sure. And everybody is different in terms of how they like to receive support when grieving. So I think that it's helpful to ask and and really um, be able to meet somebody where they are at and what is helpful for them. Um, for me, what I, one of the things that helped me tremendously was a weekly walk with a good friend. Sometimes mm -hmm. we talked about grief. Sometimes we, we talked about other things. But just knowing that I had that weekly connection with somebody was incredibly helpful. And there's also reach be, a research behind the power of walking to help heal grief, that we actually um, can help emotions move through our body when we are in motion. And walking is a wonderful way to do that. And I would suggest just reaching out. Um, people like to know that they are be remembered in their grief and being mm -hmm. thought of. So it doesn't have to be anything, um, you know, I think so, similar to our hesitancy to reach out to people, period. We think that it has to be something monumental or, you know, super powerful. Mm -hmm. 
but sometimes it's the simplest of texts or re- or a simple phone call. I'm just thinking about you can make all the difference in the world because you know grief is so lonely, it's so incredibly lonely. And just mm-hmm. knowing that somebody is thinking about you can help to alleviate some of that loneliness. So reach out and it doesn't have to be anything monumental, a simple statement, I am thinking about you. And then offering to get together. Would you like to get together for coffee? Would you like to get together for a walk? And opening up that that invitation for connection. Yeah. Is it okay to um, ask them about their loved ones and and bring that up. And, you know, I think that that's the one thing I struggle with. Do you, should we talk about it or not? And um, And that is specifically something that I think is helpful to ask because everybody is different. Some Mm -hmm. people do not, they might not want to talk about their loss. Other times, um, people, it it's, means a lot to people. So when I, and when I'm um, helping people through grief, one of the things that I help the, the griever is to be really clear on what is helpful to them and then communicate that to other people. So with me, I needed to hear their names. I wanted them to be remembered and talked about out loud. So I had to specifically tell the people in my life, you know, please mention them. It's okay. And even if I cry, I need to know that they're remembered and uh, and openly talked about that's me but somebody else might not might not want mm. their name mentioned or in specific settings might not want right. that so my suggestion would be to ask and ask. so out of coming from a place of love and care and you want to meet them where they're at and you're mm-hmm. so you're asking what they're comfortable with and then you know for because it's coming from them it right. makes it it easier uh because you know that's what they've told you. Mm, yeah, that's so good. I think that, you know, I I love these tips because I have found that, that again, in the middle of tragedy and death, and again, through the pandemic, we experienced a lot of this. We don't have these conversations and, and it's something that's unavoidable for us. And it's very important to really create uh, the space where we learn and we know how to be able to navigate this and and really build healthier ways of dealing through some of the grief and some of the emotions that are are part of being human, right? We're not going to extract them from our lives. Right, right. And so often people don't say anything because they're they have a fear of making the other person sad or cry. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But the truth is they're not making somebody sad. The sadness is already there. Yeah. So you're not just to alleviate that concern that you're not making somebody sad by mm-hmm. saying yeah. by reaching out. It's so good. It's so good. I think that, you know, again. Um, the emotion is there, like you said, and I, I've often heard it refer to, um, I don't remember what book I, I read about grief, but it was um, referred to as that unwanted visitor that comes to your home. And at first, their presence is so big and overpowering in the home um, that you can't help but to see them and on top of you. But as you navigate and time goes on, the presence is still there, but it's you you can kind they kind of get into the background of life too. Um mm-hmm. and I thought that was a very interesting way of of seeing that. Mm-hmm. And in addition to offering 
time and human connection, I often will send a gift of a simple blank notebook because mm. I know how powerful therapeutic writing can be. And really was, uh, in addition to walking, one of the things that really helped me get through, you know, move through my grief was yeah. to help to process it and write about it, especially, you uh, you know, in the middle of the night when it couldn't call a friend or in a place where nobody was around, there's always, a, uh, you can always write. You don't need anybody else but yourself and your own thoughts. Mm -hmm. And there's so much power in therapeutic writing. So that's another thing that I will um, do, uh, send a beautiful, plain notebook. Oh, that's a great idea. I love that. I may have to borrow that idea going forward. Um you know, when you and I spoke, one of the things that, and in, in again, in uh, researching some of the things that you do, you speak also on leadership and the five essential personal traits of leadership. I'd like to pivot a little bit to that conversation. I was in corporate America for many years. I was always told from an early age, I was a leader, not a follower. And I'd love to hear a little bit more about the five essential personal traits in leadership. Sure. Um, well, one is to not take things personally. Mm, so good. <laughs> <laughs> and that's helpful for uh, happiness in life in general. Mm -hmm. And it truly is something that uh, most people are affected by um, being yeah. concerned and affected emotionally by what other people say and do. Mm -hmm. And it's it really is a daily practice. It's not yeah. like you practice this once and it's it's over that you don't need to do it again. It's mm -hmm. for most people, it's something that needs to be addressed yeah. every single day. Um, yes, our brain runs away with, uh, you know, the, the thoughts, oh, they, they made me feel or they're saying or they're thinking when sometimes people are not even thinking about you, but it's really knowing not to take things personally, that it may not even be anything to do with you. Exactly. And I would suggest all of the time it has nothing to do with you. Oh, because, so good. <laughs> because truly, each of us, we're a product of our own histories, our own mm -hmm. um, difficulties, trauma, conflict, all of that influences our perception. So the way we, what we say and do is a reflection of our own histories and our own perceptions. So to and then when we take it personally we're making it about mm -hmm. us but yeah. it's not ab about us so Absolutely. it just but it but it takes practice every single day because it's it's human human nature mm -hmm. to be uh, affected and, and potentially hurt by someone's yeah. behavior and words so my suggestion is to not shut your feelings off you're human but then to pay attention to that emotional pain and then work through it by reminding yourself that it's about the other person, not about you. Mm -hmm. And then along that is on a similar line that we, you, as a leader, you simply cannot please everybody. Yeah. And, and when you try to, it only leads to frustration and then no one being happy. Mm -hmm. um, so very similar that to release the idea that you're going to be able to please everybody as a leader and not taking things personally. Amazing. Uh, another, that's so good. Okay. Right. So that we have, don't take anything personally. So that's one of the five essentials. What else can we think, can we expect? Sure. Another is knowing when to take stress breaks and then actually taking them. Oh, good so, one. Good one. I like it. Um, because leaders tend to have full schedules 
and mm-hmm. uh, and almost like feel gratified and purposeful with the full schedule mm-hmm. but that but at some point if it keeps going forever there it would lead to burnout so being proactive and intentionally putting into your schedule time for breaks and taking yeah. that and, and keeping that like a doctor's appointment like you would uh, you're mm-hmm. not going to cancel on your doctor so don't cancel on yourself and you know doing things that every day fill you up with joy yeah. joy you know joy is so underrated we don't recognize the importance for for joy not just for mental health but for productivity it's so mm-hmm. you know, just c- connected to so many different things so making time not not finding the time but creating that time for stress breaks and having joy in your life every single day oh so you know i i know that uh, i look back at 30 five-year-old me. I was a manager, newly uh, promoted. I had people working under me. I took a lot of things personally, and I felt that I was better if I was on the go all the time. And I never gave myself that intentional margin to rest. And certainly I feel terrible for that young woman because I I created a lot of grief for myself. Right. And unnecessarily. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And you are not alone. That's the way most people operate. You know, these are intentional things that we need to work on. They're practices because mm-hmm. it's human nature to be otherwise. Yeah. So, it, you know, it starts with awareness and intention and then daily practice. Oh, pr- daily practice is, you know, and, and by the way, I want to focus on the word practice. It doesn't have to be perfect. It's just taking a stab at it and working on it and improving every single day and working, even if it's a 1% increment of improvement, it's going to add up at the end. Absolutely. And I like to look at the definition of practice as simply repetition and focused attention. That's Mm -hmm. it. No qualification, no judgment, uh, just focused attention and repetition. So good. So good. Um, So many different things to unpack. I I know that we have a couple more on leadership, but I want to save those because I would not uh, do justice to speaking with you if we don't talk about your books. Tell me about your books. I know that one is a memoir and you have also the journal, the 365 days, but tell me more about the books. Sure. I, the first that I published was the memoir, I Can See Clearly Now, a memoir about love, grief, and gratitude. And that took me 25 years to finish. Wow. It, it started, it was my journal that I, as I sipped that hazelnut coffee by my mm-hmm. fiance's side, and I just journaled and wrote about my thoughts and feelings through his treatment, after his death, after my father's death, leading up to actually, I think I wrote daily until I met my husband. Mm-hmm. And uh, then just life kind of took over and I wasn't writing as much. Um, and then I thought, well, maybe this will be helpful for another young widow because I knew when I, after, you know, when I was grieving, what mm-hmm. helped me tremendously was seeing other people who had gone through grief mm. and were happy again. Like yeah. I needed to see it. I needed proof that it was possible yeah. to to be happy again and to have love again. So that's what I uh, sought out. So I thought, well, maybe this will be helpful for another young widow. So I uh, worked on having it uh transformed into a it reads like a, a like a love story, like a um, oh, so beautiful. So it's yeah, it's it's a it's helpful. It's got lots of wisdom and and um, 
you know, helpful information for moving through grief, but really the overall message is about love and different and ways to move through grief with the power of love. So that's my memoir. And then mm. all of my life, I've been asked the question, well, you know, what do you do to be so happy? Even after my significant losses, even after my father and my fiance died, I would still get that question. It's It wasn't maybe, how are you so happy, but more, what are you doing to not fall apart? And yeah. I thought long and hard about what do I do to give people this impression? And it really was quite simple. It was things that I learned in childhood that I simply kept doing. And it's not rocket science. It was spending time in nature. It was listening to music, connecting with people. Um, and I wanted to show people that it wasn't just me and it's not just my clients. There's research behind okay. these very simple things. So every chapter, I give the research, some studies about the brain science and mm -hmm. psychological research of people putting that simple idea into action and how it translates to positive mental health. So when we do these things on a regular basis, it makes us feel good. And then we're setting ourselves up for positive future mental health when things don't go our way. And it's helpful to know yourself, like what works for you. So I actually encourage people to make a list of what brings you joy and what makes you feel better. So that when you're having a really difficult day, you don't even need to think about it. You can just go to your list and see what you feel like doing in that mm -hmm. moment. Oh, so good. We've even got a chapter on the power of being goofy. You know, my father was known for his goofiness, and that's one of the ways that I celebrate his memory. <laughs> he used to ski in a multicolored clown wig. And <laughs> how just, fun! He really was goofy. He was very, he was a, a psychiatrist and had, you know, uh, a lot of heaviness in, in his work life, in, in the work that he did. And it brought him so much joy to. <laughs> Uh, bring smiles to other people through this simple clown wig. Yeah. And if it weren't for that clown wig, I wouldn't know with certainty before he died that he met my husband. Even before I met my husband, they knew each other. And the only way that they know or that I know is because my husband remembers the man in the silly clown wig. Ah, <laughs> oh, that's a beautiful story. How things come all full circle. Um, you know, I, I love that story of your dad. I've been on the ski slopes and I've seen someone that is goofy like that. And it makes you smile. And, and even uh, in, in, in the ability to do something that you're enjoying, like skiing, I, um, I know that that's an extra hit of dopamine there, you know, that, that you see something so fun. I love that. Yeah, absolutely. And not only was it goofy, but it brought him human connection. Mm -hmm. um, uh, as a teenager, I was mortified to see him out there with <laughs> clown pink. And, uh, yeah. But now I know he knew the secret to happiness and it was human connection. So yeah. that clown wig brought him smiles from complete strangers. And then that uh, small talk conversation, which wasn't small talk, then mm -hmm. led to developing friendships. But it started with just a, a look and a glance because he was wearing a silly clown wig. Uh, so he knew that that clown wig helped foster human connection, that even in mm -hmm. the absence of words, it could start with just someone seeing him and then uh, commenting on his clown wig, which then led to even more conversation and connection. 
Mm, amazing. <laughs> you know, connection is one of my most important values after service. And I love connection because I think that we live in a world that can isolate us so much. We And, and by the way, we, we tend to isolate ourselves because we either, um, you can go to a store or a restaurant and you can see people on their phones, not interacting in Loneliness is been known in different studies that it shortens your lifespan. So it's important to be able to connect and to create meaningful ways of interacting as opposed to just feeling alone. Yes. And all interaction matters, including with complete strangers. Yeah. And the research supports that. So mm -hmm. um, when you're going, running your errands, connect yeah. with people. Any opportunity to choose a person over a machine, choose the mm -hmm. person. Oh, I do too. And oh, I do. I do that. I I don't like mm -hmm. going through the scan yourself. I like to interact with people and speak to them. Mm -hmm. It matters, mm -hmm. and it, using names and making eye yeah. contact. Yeah, uh, all of that matters. You know, and yeah. and one study showed that even people who might be on a checkout line with a real clerk mm -hmm. um, about within a few seconds, maybe 20, I think 20 seconds, 80% of people whipped out their phone mm -hmm. with, it's because true. we're not, we're just used to constant entertainment and stimuli mm -hmm. coming our way. Right. And when you resist that initial temptation, first, when you're aware that you do that, and then you resist the temptation to whip out the phone, mm -hmm. you're more inclined to make contact and start up a conversation, even if it's about the weather or traffic right. uh, with the person in front of you, behind you, and the clerk. It all matters. It helps us feel seen, part of our communities, and connected to the world. Yeah. My husband and I, um, in we we go and get coffee from the drive-thru Um and in, in in our town and there is um one gentleman that he's probably in his early 60s um and has a developmental disability um but one day i and there's two windows and i i asked one of the other employees what was his name um because he as you went to pay he would always become very flustered and and very um, he could be kind of brusque, um, but um, I I decided that if we went through, I wanted to thank him by name. And I typically will say, hi, Joe, thank you so much. And he's like, oh, and he just lights up and he gets so excited. And he's like, thank you. Have a nice day. And even his inflection in the voice changes. And from that interaction, my husband and I decided that we would then, if we were interacting with a cashier, a waiter, um, whoever in the service industry, because, you know, we've worked service jobs at one point, putting ourselves through school, um, we wanted to be the best interaction that person had for the day. And by the way, selfishly enough, it helps us as well. <laughs> Absolutely right, and and people like to hear their names. Yeah, we have a reaction in our brains when we hear our name yeah. said out loud. So, and you're right; it helps the person saying it too. You are benefiting from that human connection, yeah. and you're making somebody else feel valued and seen. Amazing. So, so this conversation is so fun. Um, you know, I I am incredibly thankful. I'm more gratitude. 
uh, for your time and your ability to be here. I I, I don't know where the time went, but I want to be gracious and, and not infringe more on, on your time. Tell us a little bit more about you. You have a little something that people can leverage that you have a gift for us. Tell us more. Sure. People can sign up to receive a challenge. It is called The Grateful Day, where I teach five simple exercises in gratitude that don't need to take more than five minutes a day. And it truly will transform your life through the power of gratitude. And that's simply at my website, drpeggydelong.com slash The Grateful Day. Oh, I love it. And we're going to have all that information in the show notes. I'm incredibly grateful. Thank you so much for being here. Um, We didn't unpack so many other things that I wanted to talk about, like hiking and all the other things that you do. So you are going to have to come back. Will you come back again? I would love to, Julie. Thank you. Amazing. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Peggy. I appreciate your time, your insights, and your wisdom uh, for all of us who are here listening and And knowing that now we have some great tools that we can leverage that you have available to us. Um, And again, it's because of your experiences and turning your experiences into a way to teach and help and support others. I appreciate that. So thank you for being here. And don't forget, go confidently in the direction of your dreams. Thanks for listening to Casa de Confidence. We thank you for listening. And if you want more, go to casadaconfidencepod.com. Check Julie out on her socials as Julie DeLuca Collins. And you can also check out her website at goconfidentlycoaching.com. Have a great week. And don't forget, go confidently in the direction of your dreams.